Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Hello, and welcome to The Storytellers. Almost 3 million copies of Josie Brown's 36 and counting novels are in the hands of readers. She pens the Housewife Assassins Handbook series, the Totlandia series, the extracurricular episodic series, and her novel, True Hollywood Lies, has been uh, picked up by television. She also is the host of the amazing podcast, author provocateur where she brings her talent and her amazing voice right in because I love the body of work that you have both from the 36 and counting novels but also from your time as a journalist you've interviewed such enviable people a long list but Debbie Reynolds Maya Angelou why are both aspects of storytelling so important to you um, I guess it started in childhood like it usually does with all of us. I was the voracious reader who would check out, you know, a bazillion books from the library every summer, you know, when they allowed you to go in and do that um, and from my school. And um, I started writing because I was originally in advertising. And um, though I was on the account side, I was married to a creative director. And when we, we decided to leave the business and do and freelance, um, we were doing a lot of branding and I was taking in more of the advertising, you know, writing as well. So then we decided um, we had opportunities to write for magazines. So we ended up doing a lot of feature interviews, profiles. Um, I interviewed Kenneth Branagh, who just won, by the way, the BAFTA. So, uh, you oh know, my. yes, yes, it was uh, this past uh, couple of days ago, I guess. So um, I'm just real excited that um, I had these opportunities, but it was interesting. We were working with a particular client doing his branding on his book, and I, I was close to his wife. It was uh, John Gray of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And we were taking a walk one day and she said, um, and I was complaining because I said, you know, as much as I love what I do for John and every all my, our other clients, I said, I want to, I want to write fiction. And she, she stopped me in the, in the, in, in the middle of the hill that we were on. And she said, Josie, you've been saying that for ever since I've known you just do it. And she got me, she encouraged me and, and Bonnie has passed by now, has, has passed now. So it's kind of sad, but, but that was to me, every time I, I start writing a new book, I think of her because I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for her. That's such a gift when you have that one friend who can give you a lifelong gift in your case, that you finally found your voice and your feet and your fingers on the typewriter in 36 books. So that's lovely that we can honor her here today as well. Do you like both sides of storytelling? Because you still do it with your podcast. Yes, I do. I love to hear the process of, of authors like you, Grace, who just just get the kernel of an idea and then run with it and make beautiful characters out of it. How many people, people are doing this all over the world. We know that. But when you pick up somebody's author's voice in your ear and it resonates with you, you want to keep reading them. And I've been very, very blessed with enough people who have picked up my books or who have reached out to me and said, wow, I loved your book. I cried. I had one after my very 
I guess it was my fourth book, I had somebody write me, you know, a total stranger, a reader who said, I read the second chapter of your book, and that was me and my husband. And I cried as I read it. And I was so, so touched about that. I, I wrote a blog post about uh, something else I had read in the newspaper where there was a, um, a, a mother who had some mental health issues and ended up taking her son and herself. And um, her sister reached out to me because I'd, I'd written, there are two sides to the story. Something was happening with this mom. And I went through sure. what I felt was, you know, where we should show compassion. Obviously, it was a sad situation. And the sister reached out and said, you know, I mean, this is a blog, right? I mean, you know, yeah. I don't expect anybody to read my blogs. <laughs> so it's sort of like, but they do. Yeah. But they do. Yeah. You don't know who's reading you or why they're reading you. But what you love is the fact that they are reading you. And um, I have been very lucky in that regard that for some reason, I my voice has been resonating, just like I know yours has because of the same amount of, you know, kudos that you get from from your readers. Well, thank you. Um, I would not put us in the same camp, but I would love, <laughs> love to be in your camp. Right. Josie, I'm, I would. I'm, <laughs> thank you. I'm fascinated by writing in series. People have said to me, is there going to be another in my sequence? And there may or they may not. But I have always been told and authors always say, write the story you have to tell. So you have the stories you have to tell, but you also have these set of varied characters. How do you know when it's a standalone and it's a series and whether it is plot driven or character driven? Where do you put those bins? Um, you know, um, episodic series has been cyclical, like in the you know 1850s, we had Dickens and then it essentially came back with the detective novels and more so with the detective novels now, as you see. But, you know, I have, you know, like we all do, we have other stories inside of us. Originally, Extracurricular was going to be one book, but it was such a big story that it ended up being three books. So I ended up breaking it out that way. And um, but some of my standalones, like um, the True Hollywood Lies books are standalones. Um, the uh, believe it or not, there's two of them because they're really two different stories, but I've kind of bundled them together for for readers. Um, and also um, uh, Secret Lives of, of Husbands and Wives, that was meant totally as a standalone. And I would not pick it up today as anything else, just because I know I told the story. I told exactly where I wanted it to go. I left people with a satisfying ending. They can imagine that these people went on with their lives and they don't have to hear any more about them. But I love them and I'm glad people have liked them too. So in your other series, though, The Housewife Assassin's Handbook, that just keeps going. How do you know how long that will go? That will go until my readers tell me they don't want to read it anymore. And instead, what I get, which is such an honor, is um, readers saying, I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> so I'm always thinking, well, I do have um, <clears throat> I have a file, a Donna file. And the world keeps giving me plots, sadly, but truly, because it is about espionage and it is about international, um, you know, affairs. So uh -huh. I have no end of stories that I can go. And I, I'm, a, I'm a researcher by, by, by heart, you know, and by trade. So I do a deep dive on every, every plot point or every premise that I come up with. I go, okay, so where am I going with this? Like the latest book was called Antisocial Media Tips. And in essence, 
social media gives us a lot of places to go. And I, I personally am not, I hate social media. And I think we all do to some extent. I don't see the necessary fun in it, but I know I have to do it. So I built my story around the fact that these people who make a living do it and how they had to infiltrate a particular junket where all these people were and who in essence was sending secret messages to our enemies via social media, which really happens. So, you know, there's so many ways to do that kind of covert, covert uh, messaging. And I love that you both had the book, have this focus, and that you said out loud that we all hate social media. Because, <laughs> because I came so, so late to this um, social media world and absolutely believed when I wrote my fourth book and first novel, oh, it will just be picked up magically. You know, Morgan Freeman will be the, the guy and everything will be perfect. And then apparently social media happened. And I am very grateful for it. I have really developed true friends, real friends. Um, I thought that was very silly before. Um, you and I met through the bookish road trip, which we are both moderators on. So social media is um, both an angel and devil in our lives. I agree, one, I agree, yeah. One of the things we try to accomplish over on our Facebook um, and our Instagram accounts on bookish road trip is to be very reader focused. And you're one of the first people I think who really talked about that to me. Obviously when authors that I have on the show, they talk about writing the story that they need to write. They talk about loving to engage with readers, but you have readers in mind when you write differently than I think many authors do. How, how does that get expressed for you and how did you learn that? Um, I learned it, uh, you know, I have to go, you know, lean back on my, my advertising background because the consumer is who you're trying to please in every way, shape or form, you know, in advertising, you have, you know, the five P's, you know, place, product, promotion, um, um, you know, production, you know, there are five of them. I forget what they are. Price, now. maybe price. Price, ding. Okay. And <laughs> I should have known you would know this, darling. So <laughs> I made it up. Oh, no, no, you knew it. So um, I'm just saying that we, we, in my mind, I want a satisfied reader. I want somebody who's going to be happy with every book I put out. So I look at, I, I actually do a very intense plot. I don't do what I call a Julie Valerie plot, as we all know of Julie Valerie. She does Venn diagrams. I do, I have a three acts and I fill in the three acts and the three acts are usually, I know what my approximate word count will be. I, I know where the, where the highs and lows will be in the story. And I love that because I'm saying, if I were reading this book, where would I want to see the action ra ratcheted up or the emotion ratcheted up? Where would I want to see a fall from grace? That kind of thing. Not your kind of grace as in grace salmon, because there is no fall in grace salmon. There's only <laughs> higher and higher only so. only it's a glow <laughs> it's a glow but, darling but, but that is so interesting that you plot it out fairly carefully but it's always with the reader in mind do you think that's common among authors um no and i and i you know to their to their credit and i i'm i i'm back backing into a different kind of writing now where it's more introspective. Um, they, a lot of writers are taught, especially if, if that was their degree in school, they're taught 
to kind of more throw it out there on the page. And then it's all caught in editing, you know, by the 50th draft. I've done 37 books. So if I had waited for the 50th, 50th draft of each book, I probably would have, I probably would have been pulling out my hair on the first book still. And as I, you know, at the beginning, I told you I was afraid to write. So I have been able to, in my own mind, see it as both a business and, a, and, a, and an art. And in doing so, I have to meld those two, those two emotions together within me and say, okay, here's the business part. You want a satisfied reader. Here's the art part. You want to satisfy yourself. So that's how it comes together for me. That's going to be a big takeaway for me as I continue my writing, because I love that the reader is our consumer. I, I know that intellectually, but I don't know that my fingers had figured that out in my writing. So uh, thank you for that, Jewel. I also want to go to the idea you have mentioned several times about branding. Many people don't understand what that means. As an author, certainly from the advertising world, they know what a Pepsi or a Starbucks or even now Target, the ones that have no more names on them, just the symbols. Talk about author branding, if you will. Sure. Um, author branding is the voice that you have resonating with the reader and how you, once you figure out who this reader is, how you keep them coming back to you. They want to know more about you, believe it or not. I mean, we're you, most writers I know are shy people, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. including myself. So yeah. when you when I put up a picture of myself in social media, which is rare because I'm usually the person taking the picture because I love photography. Yes, you um, do. <laughs> I get more likes or hits than if I'm not in the picture. And, you know, they've, I've always heard that, that you should do that, but I don't necessarily like putting myself in a, in a picture, but, and also, but I, but my readers want me to, because they want to know more about me, just like they want to know more about you. So we have to force ourselves into our branding side and our, you know, business side of writing mm -hmm. and do what, you know, and let them in on us. And it's not a bad idea to do it. I, I try to get out a newsletter once a month. And when I do, I try to say something personal in it. Every time I do, I get, I get write, readers writing back saying, oh, I felt that way, blah, 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 or, you know, every, every time. And I, I feel touched by that. That's what motivates me to make sure every story is the best story that I can put out there. So it is important for us to find our brand, to figure out who our readers are, and to commune with them, just like you and I commune. You know, that's, that is an advantage of social media, I have to say, is that they find us easier than they did when there was no social media. And Absolutely. they can, can, can communicate with us, which is just, um, just as important to our well-being as it is to theirs. Because it really is a community. You know, sometimes I joke there are 20 people on Facebook. I have, I forget, about 2,000 followers. But, you know, there are those core group of people that you really look forward to and rely on now in a whole, hopefully, 
healthy codependent way. And I think you're right that balance between sharing what we're writing and working on and the personal is always interesting to see. Uh, many listeners probably don't know how closely we all look at our stats in our very uh, various Facebook and social media platforms. Um, you've been both independently published, traditionally published. What's your feeling on those different roads to publishing? Um, I think there's advantages to both and disadvantages to both. Um, the advantage to traditional publishing is that you don't have to worry about all the other things other than the writing and the and then developmental ed editing of your own story with your wonderful editor. Hopefully you'll have a wonderful editor. Not all editors are the same and not all are wonderful, you know, but some yeah. are. And, and I read about them all the time and I went, and I go into my, you know, in, in my own little heart, I go, wow, I'd love to have her edit me just because of her process with her authors. And that takes time on their end. Um, so mm -hmm. we have to look at that and say, that can be an advantage to me to have somebody looking over my shoulder saying, can you tweak this sentence? Because I know what you're trying to say, but it's not exactly right. Or saying this whole area here seems a little stagnant. You know, I had a wonderful editor with, at Simon & Schuster. Uh, with Simon and Schuster. And we had great conversations. I feel like my books were strong because of her. And my only regret was that she went off and had a baby. So, so I never, I didn't have her after that. So, but yeah. you know, I missed that. I missed that about New York publishing. At the same time, New York, and this is where independent publishing comes in, New York doesn't always have their finger on the pulse of the reader. And that's because they put books out two years after they acquire them. So um, in my regard, for example, Housewife Assassin, that was something that did go out to New York and went to committee in several houses. Um, and then it, they started passing because it was, they couldn't comprehend that a woman who had a family could also be an assassin ongoing. So that was one that I kept aside for myself, knowing that it wasn't going to go anywhere. And believe, and then when I felt like it was time for that story to be told, I decided to do it independently. And that pretty much set my, set my journey on a different path. And, and I hit it at the right time of independent publishing. There wasn't a, a lot of that out there. And it was resonating because they were good stories. And then you know, one became a second book and a third and a fourth and fifth and just kept going. There's now 22. Yes. Yes. So, Amazing. so, you know, so I enjoy the process. I enjoy my character. I want my audience to enjoy my reader to enjoy the character so that they keep coming back for more. It is a bonbon book. It is not a heavier book like your story. It is not a, um, you know, it's not, it's not what Donna Tartt's going to be writing for her next decade book <laughs> because she puts out one a decade. But you see what I'm saying? It is a yes, fun absolutely. book. And as long as the writer enjoys it and the reader enjoys it, great. Now, as in my author voice, you can see it in my standalones. You can also see it in some of the other series. There are different voices that each author has inside of him or her. So we have to sometimes honor that voice too. And that doesn't always resonate with the reader you have now, but it may allow you to pick up new readers, or it may 
your, your reader may love it just as much as they love your other things. I can use The Candidate as my example, which is, which is essentially a standalone, but could be a series. And it's a, it's a political thriller. And people have discovered me through The Candidate. Or readers have said, wow, I love this. I didn't know you could write this kind of book. And it's sort of like, well, we're writers. And we, we you know, you don't just play the same song over and over, you know you've got a banjo, you know a lot of songs. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I love that you shared so much about your storytelling with us today, Josie. Branding, series, non-series, your podcast. Um, what's next for you? And tell us. Um, I do have, an, uh, I'm working on another Housewife Assassin book. At the same time, I do have a story that is historical that I'm um, going to put out to the world. I'm going to see how it goes. I, I'm now trying to shop it with New York. We'll see what happens. And if something comes, comes out of it, you'll be the first to know, Grace. You know that. Well, thank you, Josie. That'd be fabulous. You were a great storyteller today. I'm so happy that we shared the microphone together. And I look forward to new adventures with you as we move forward. Thank you. Take care. Take care, everybody. This has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.